great food, great drinks, and great people. And I think that says it all. Hi, I'm Matt McKee. I created Cherry Bomb in this week's last series of limited edition photos with the mission to start conversations in the room about the bigger topics of food, art, and sustainability. This podcast is the companion piece to that project where I got to share with you some of the discussions that Sweet Blast has inspired. Today, I'm talking with John Karen, the man behind the Boston landmark restaurants West End Johnny's and Fenway Johnny's. His creations have been lauded as a hub for Boston sports players, entertainers, and fans to meet, rub elbows with great food and great fun. John, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you're getting ready to open up, uh, reopen up your restaurants as we pivot toward a post-pandemic world. Uh, welcome. Yes, thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. In my intro to these conversations, I'm, I'm, I'm very much aware that art takes many forms. And after doing a little bit of homework on you, I think I could argue that from your time as the facilities manager at the Boston Red Sox to your first restaurant opening in 2007, I think it was. So from, from then until now, you've really made an art of hospitality with, as I'm looking at the uh, your background with a touch of nostalgia as well. What started you down this path? Well, I've always loved food and, and drink. <laughs> so that was that was always there. After 23 odd years in uh, sports and entertainment, uh, somehow I landed here in the restaurant business. And uh, they ain't lying. It's the toughest business. You work all the time. Yep. I've dabbled in it for a number of years when I was younger and, and got out of it when I, I was like seeing my then girlfriend, now wife, across the bar too many times. It was like, okay, so I'm serving you and your friends at all drinks all night long. I want to join the fun too. Yeah. So well, that's how I'm, that's why I'm here. One question that, that uh, came up during my research was you'd grown up in Melrose and then had gone out West to California to go work for the LA Lakers and the LA Kings. I mean, I was there in 84 and 85. Oh, so even earlier. Yeah. Way earlier. <laughs> way earlier. Indeed. Uh, out of college and, uh, Went west by some strange chance and uh, ended up through one of the managers from the LA Kings and went to lunch. And then next thing I was with Rogi Vachon, who was the GM, and Pat Quinn, who was the head coach at the time. And this guy, Jim Gwynn, also the manager from the Kings. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's how I ended up in LA. Okay. I said, okay. I called my folks and uh, my mom said, what are you, crazy? And my father was like, do whatever you want. <laughs> and... Uh, and there I was in LA. And what brought you back to Boston? Yeah, it was a, it was a great time, and we had some great parties and Hollywood and and all that. We uh, had a lot of fun at that age. It was great to be out there too, and lots of girls. And <laughs> I, I actually hurt my knee. Gary Beatty was the uh, trainer for the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, and he saw me on crutches one day, and he says. Uh, What'd you do? And I said, oh, I was actually working at one of my jobs while I was working at a nightclub in the valley. I was a bouncer and a fight broke out and oh, uh, fell and my leg uh, went sideways. So I re-injured a sports injury. And uh, so I went down to see Gary after uh, one of the practices. And he said, uh, he said, well, you know, Jamal Wilkes injury. And I said, yeah, he's like, yours is worse. Oh, my gosh. So they, he sent me to see this Dr. Curlin, who was a famous L.A. sports doctor. And he said my knee was kind of bad. So I was driving my car. The cast was so big, my foot was on the right side of the car. So I was straddling <laughs> the, the radio. <laughs> I was driving like this and, uh, you know, kind of sitting in the middle. So I'd saddle it. Oh, my gosh. Since then, uh, I've had so many knee and foot problems with my right leg that I'm 
so used to driving with my left foot, I, I could do it easily. <laughs> Anyways, so then I, I took a leave of absence from LA and I came back home, ultimately had to have surgery. But while I was home, I just sent out some feelers with the, the Patriots and Bruins and Red Sox and Celtics. I had an interview with this guy, Steve Riley uh, from the Celtics, got to sit in with Red Auerbach, wow. that interview. And and they actually had a position for me, but it wasn't for months, months away. And then uh, Johnny Busick, who I got to know through the Kings, and uh, Cam Neely, who's one of my friends, said, no, we don't need anybody. <laughs> and oh. I still joke with him now to this day. Uh, he's a good friend. And then the Patriots at the time, and they didn't need anyone. And then uh, I heard from uh, the Red Sox and uh, this guy, Larry Cancro, who's still with the Red Sox, ended up hiring me. They didn't really need anyone. And then I was there 20 years and moved through the different areas that I was in. When I started with the Red Sox, I was selling advertising with John McDesky. And you you went from selling advertising to just working your way up through the, the ranks on the, the facilities and doing parties and stuff? Yeah, I started in the marketing department doing everything from group sales to selling advertising with Johnny Pesky, marketing and promotional stuff. And then the guy that was handling uh, part of the facility uh, got sick or something. And I moved into that and it expanded different parts of the ballpark. And so I handled uh, everything but the, the grass, essentially. Joe Mooney, the legendary groundskeeper, uh, handled that. And, and I had most everything else. And if he got sick, you were ready to pinch it and, and get in there and take care of the, pull out the lawnmowers. Yeah, actually, during the strike year in 94, we had to get rid of all the staff. So the front office personnel, we all went down and I was on the ground screw under Joe. And, oh, my gosh. And uh, yeah, we did security at night, stayed in the ballpark, you know. Oh, my gosh. We did everything. It was quite an experience. Wow. That sounds like, you know, sort of the startup experiences that I've, uh, some of my, my commercial clients are, yeah. you talk about the startup culture where you're, you're in everything, you know, if, if, yeah. if everything from you need to clean the bathrooms to solving for the accounting problem to you name it, uh, you go do it. Yeah. We literally did everything that year. And it's, it's very similar to what we're doing right now in starting up the restaurant during the pandemic here, if you will, because mm -hmm. pandemics never end. It's like, when is this thing gonna end it's been difficult but uh we're gonna open this thursday at fenway and are you guys doing uh outside dining in order to kind of mitigate or is it still all inside yeah we do have outside dining and uh that, that's one of the reasons i was late today <laughs> um I, I met with that guy and tomorrow i gotta be here at 6 15 in the morning they're coming with wow. the truck and the police detail and putting our barriers in place so Oh my gosh! Well, I'm glad it's it's going forward. At six fifteen for a hospitality person, unless you're serving the breakfast crowd, uh, that's a little yeah. rough. I'm used to uh, you know with nightlife and stuff. I'm used to getting home at two, three, four in the morning, but uh, six fifteen is not really on my. <laughs> this time on the clock. I'm anxious to do anything during uh, this thing yeah. we're going through, and it's good to just be coming into work. Well, coming in and, and at least organizing and, and preparing for the day you can open, which is uh, which is really important. I think too. Yeah. And it's good, you know, the camaraderie and, and starting to solve problems and seeing people again. I think that that was one of the things that uh, really stood out to me when I was doing my research earlier was about how you are bringing people together uh, between the sports people and the entertainment people and with your team that you're working with. When you were up and running in the before times, you had a large staff that you were managing between the, the brunches and, and the bands and everything else that was going on. With both places, we had about 77, 
and employees with security and, and everybody, you know, hostesses and back servers, food runners and barbacks and bartenders and service and kitchen and dishwashers. And you're a major employer then in, in the Boston area. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now we just got a handful of people and we're going to try to do it and, you know, work towards getting the other place open because the Bruins and Celtics, you know, they only have 2,200 fans over there, but we hope that that goes to 4,500 soon. And, and then the playoffs and uh, both sports are coming and, you know, we're hoping for the best. They haven't mm-hmm. been playing great off and on, but hoping for something. Yeah. The, well, the fans just want to be able to go out and celebrate, win or lose, yeah. celebrate the fact that, that uh, they're able to get back together again, I think. What is What was your inspiration when, when you first opened up in 2007, 2008? Uh, you, you obviously pivoted from managing the facilities at the Boston Red Sox, and then you decided you wanted to go into hospitality, go into the restaurant business, which in a way you'd already been doing some with, with the event things that you were doing. What was your inspiration for the first West Side Johnny's? Well, when we opened over in the West End, I, I, when I was looking for places and, and investors, you know, I happened to come upon the right people that I had met previously or through someone and told them my vision and they thought it was cool. And they, thankfully, they took a chance on me. What was that vision that you had for it? Because I think that's where the art is. I wanted a sports themed bar, but not like a sports bar. Okay. I wanted to have good food because everyone has sports <laughs> bars usually have, you know, bar food. Yeah. So I wanted uh, good food and where you could get a good drink. And But then the nightlife thing, I, you know, thought it would be cool to have, to have the bands and uh, DJs and whatnot. And I've always loved reggae. That's always been my thing. Hmm. And I thought, how cool would a reggae brunch be? The conscious reggae band we've had 14 years. And I was actually just on the phone with him just a little while ago. And they're anxious to play. You know, they've sure. had played as a band in, in over a year. It's the longest since they've been kids and they're all older. The band, I mean, you can't get a seat at the bar and you, it's standing room only. And, and then we tried replicating it. And we got another guy, uh, Greg, over here in his band and it's it's equally as good. And we're just used to packed houses and, you know, hour and a half waits. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm sure we will get back to that. It, it may not be nearly well it definitely won't be nearly as fast as we want it to be but i'm sure we will get back to that again some of our busier brunches are with no games and concerts and stuff but then if you throw in a sunday celtics game midday you know you can't get in the place (laughs) or a bruins uh, game that happens to be during the day or any other you know red sox game day games and mix it in it's cool to have the fans and then just the regular people who love reggae brunch and want to be there and hate that there's a game because there's no parking you know or whatever (laughs) but um yeah and then the night like took a whole nother thing and then you know all the players started coming in the bruins the patriots people the players and celtics and uh not so much red Sox because there's so many games and they're night and they don't get out so late but but we do get them for concerts and dinner and stuff in the off season one thing we had in uh, 2018 we'd have all the families here so that red Sox would take a section so all the players wives and all the coaches wives and we'd get all them and they would come in and we'd have they'd have a whole area of the restaurant. You know, this season uh, we were supposed to have uh, before the COVID hit. It was all scheduled. Lady Gaga, Grateful Dead, uh, the Dead Company, 
two shows and an Aerosmith uh, one show. They were playing over across the street at the ballpark, but they had scheduled events here at Fenway Johnny's in the afternoon. So they Aerosmith would be on this stage and they would it would be a, a, a private event where they would sell their tickets to 375 VIPs and open bar and They'd be here. Oh, my gosh. I don't know, doing unplugged set pictures, and they would give uh, commemorative things. Yeah. So we're excited for that, and they, they all say they want to do it, have Lady Gaga and stuff. And then after, they would have their fan, friends and family party down on the lower level, and then we'd be open for business and be packed. And- you just want to create a great party atmosphere, don't you? Yeah, but I, I never knew, you know, West End opened first and over near the garden, never thinking I'd be back in my old neighborhood over here. <laughs> And then, you know, many days, we'll have a day game here and a a Bruins or Celtics playoff game. We show up here in the morning and work all day and then shoot across town and we do the Bruins game thing. And then if it happens to be on a weekend, then we change from playoff hockey and we'd have the Stanley Cup uh, NBC over there or someone doing their stuff. We do a lot of the network stuff, too. So it's kind of evolved into a nonstop thing. And then... Then it changes over to nightlife and the kids want to get there to watch the games at night and then be there when the game is over because the line would be down the street. And then the nightlife kicks in and you do that and then come back in the next day early for brunch and you're tired. No doubt. No doubt. Well, I have to ask, though, from the way you're describing it, it sounds to me, though, that uh, you kind of follow the old adage when you love what you do, you're you're you never work a day in your life. You're just you're talking to me with a grin on your face throughout this entire thing and talking about the hours you're putting in and serving all these people and getting to, to hang out with all these cool people. Would you still call it work? No, it. I mean, it's work and you get tired, but it is fun and it keeps you going and lots of coffee. And uh, and I'm grinning because I'm thinking of what we used to have and kind of it's been a long year. Uh. So uh, we, we kind of covered a little bit about the uh, I have a personal philosophy question where I always ask people about what basically gets you up in the morning or in your case, the mid afternoon, depending on where the shift is at. But what, what are you looking forward to other than having a full bar? What gets you up in the morning and, and makes you want to come in here and, and do what you do? Well, you know, our customers are part of the reason, but um, you know, our staff is, is more of a family. You know, we have a lot of people that started here when they were 17 and 16, even, you know, they're still with us uh, or, hoping to come back it's really like a family and you know when you work every day you're with your work family more than you're with your family you know you celebrate christmas and birthdays and that's kind of what i miss most so i've always wanted to ask somebody in the hospitality industry especially in in this kind of an industry where you're working late nights i've talked to a lot of different people about what they do at the end of the day so you're you've cashed out you've cleaned up you've ever whatever's going on Usually, they're the people I'm talking to. I've talked to farmers and I've talked to people who have uh, earlier shifts than you do about what they want to when they go home. What is their comfort food? What do, what do they sit down with at the end of the day and just uh, you know crack something open, have a plate of something? What would be your ideal? Yeah. Um, well, I always been in the always try to stay in shape so eating late is not a good thing and that's what a lot of restaurant people do and some tend to put on some weight i know i i know i did when i was doing it yeah they eat pizza and they eat subs and they eat uh they try not to eat that stuff you know like <laughs> probably like cereal or something 
boring occasionally beats out of something but some fruit or something i hate to be boring but i mean if i feel like cooking something i'll like eggs or something with something like that when we're going all the time in these games and concerts at both places sunday night i, I look forward to a sunday night because brunch ends at four sunday night's my night to like relax and get in the jacuzzi unless there's that Celtics game that's at six or a Bruins game or a concert like oh no thinking back so here you are at so what you said 24 years plus actually I've been open almost 14 years at West End okay three years here and then 20 three years in sports. So I'm, I'm crap with math. So that's 30 some odd years now, I think at this point. Yeah. If you could go back to that, uh, that, that 20 year old self who is uh, bopping out of college uh, after all the things that you've been through and all the people you've met at this point, what would you go back and tell yourself? Oh, well, it wouldn't be to have fun. I've had a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been fortunate. I got to do a lot of stuff. Um, being in sports and people and friends who invited me to happen to so many things. I mean, there's nothing really. I, I mean, uh, I guess I'm happy where I am without a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been to the white house many times. I mean, I've been with some pretty cool people, got friendly with people. So it seems like you're leading, leaving, living your best life. Yeah. I've been to Europe with, Bruce, I've been to, I mean, I've just done so many cool things. Very cool. Well, is there a book coming in the future, I hope? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people say that. I have a lot of stories. Uh, all through. Some people go, no way. I, I don't know. So with all that you've done, if we're flashing forward to the future, we're now 50 years out from now. Reopened. Pandemic is over. Business is booming along. And it's now past your lifetime. What is the legacy that you, you think you're leaving behind or that you want to leave behind? Legacy. Oh, geez. Mm. Never thought that far ahead. <laughs> I mean, places come and go. I, I don't know. Uh, my slogan, what you started to say before, it's great food, great drinks, great people. I didn't, I I didn't mean to throw a curveball at you. Oh, no, that's cool. For, for, for the, the, the four people who are listening, including my mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Just so that they know, in Johnny's uh, on the walls everywhere are pictures that, of current and past stars of both sports, all the Boston sports and beyond. Movies, music, entertainment, um, movies. So yeah. it's really that this is why I was saying early in my intro was talking about the nostalgia factor the, that that people want to remember things. They want to remember that they were at this event or they got to go someplace and meet these people. And, and that's what I think you've created. Yeah. Just some really great people just treating people good, you know. I think that's the, yeah. that's the thing right there. Is treat people good. And I think that that that's a key thing for a hospitality person, which I think you are. Everyone loves good food and, and, mm -hmm. and a good drink. And, and with good people and with good people, then you've got it made. Yeah, it would just be uh, great food, great drinks and great people. And I think that says it all. Thanks for checking in with Cherry Bomb, the podcast, the companion piece to Sweet Blast, which can be found at theartofmattmckee.com. If you like the podcast and want to support what we do, it is as simple as mashing the like button and leaving us a short review in your favorite podcast listening app. Share it on your Facebook feed or on Twitter. Anything you can do to help us get the word out there will help us to grow and make this podcast stronger. If you have questions, suggestions, or comments, feel free to drop me a line at matt at 
Today's guests can be found at West End Johnny's and at Fenway Johnny's. Definitely places to go check out. Cherry Bomb the Podcast is produced by me with consulting help from Suzanne Schultz and Canvas Fine Arts. Thanks for listening, and let's start the conversation. Just a really quick note before your auto feed refreshes to the next episode in your queue. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe you picked up a new tip or a concept, there are a couple ways you can help us keep creating it. Click on the link at the bottom of the show notes for buymeacoffee.com slash Matt McKee. Coffee is life around here. Also in the show notes is a link to theartofmattmckee.com where you can browse art from my Sweet Blast, Promethean Dreams, and Tool series of portfolios, as well as others. Get some art for that special someone in your life. And if that special someone is you, don't feel guilty. It should go without saying, you deserve nice things too. And last but certainly not least, share this episode with your friends on social media. Let them know you enjoyed it. And then you can start your own conversation.